This is Fan POV Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. We are Fan POV. My goodness, what a great day. We finally got the trio back, and we're adding a fourth. So let me go ahead and be the first to introduce Doug Finch, known as Dougie Fresh. He's also appeared a couple other episodes back. Doug, welcome, man. How you feeling? I'm just excited to be here, man. Week one is only a couple days away. We got the Chiefs. Best offense in the league. I can't wait. I'm just ready for some football, man. I cannot wait. Yeah, me, me, me neither, man. It's almost like uh, it literally is a dream come true. It's almost surreal. I'd mentioned the threesome is back. Jake, Mike, we got the Cowboy, we got the Finn Fanatic. You guys are back. It's nice to, to, to be together, talk a little bit of sports. And this time, it's real time. How are you guys feeling? Kev, I'm doing well. I uh, feel like the Avengers, we got our super team. We're all assembled. We're ready to break down this NFL week, and we're bringing our A game. We've got some elite analysts in the building. Yeah, no doubt. Cowboy, how are you feeling, man? So if we're the Avengers, does that make you Hawkeye, the one that no one knows about since you're the uh, the Fishies fan, my friend? <laughs> Good pull. Good pull. I like where Jay- hey, Jake's feisty today. <laughs> so guys, it's been a long time. Again, we've been very inventive because sports have not have been non-existent with COVID around, but now it's back. Football is here. I can hardly wait. And what we're going to do is go through every single game this week. We're going to throw out some predictions, see who we like, who we don't like, and why. And let's go ahead and start with Houston and Kansas City. Gentlemen, we've got the top two highest paid players ever to grace a football field in Patrick McHomes and Deshaun Watson. We've got Kansas City at home at minus nine and a half. Jake, start us off. What does this game mean to you? This is a tough one, my friend, uh, especially because, you know, they, they always do this every single year. They have the Super Bowl champions are the uh, home team that opens up the, uh, the, the NFL season. Unless you're Baltimore and the Orioles in your same city don't want to share their parking lot with you, which is an odd thing. But yeah, typically speaking, this is a buzzsaw for anybody. Uh, you know, they do the ring ceremony. You know, the fans are going to be geeked. I don't need, uh, obviously, they're not going to be nearly as many fans, but per se, but it's going to be uh, it's going to be a buzzsaw. I'm not going to lie. I said it before. Doug and I talked about it in the last podcast. That nine and a half points, ah, uh, man, dude. I just, I'm going to stay away from that part aspect of it. I don't see how Kansas City doesn't win this game, though. I can't. It wouldn't surprise me if they just blew them out of the water, just with everything that you know, especially the way that the game ended last year in the playoffs. But then again, you know, Houston might have some uh, uh, vengeance in them, and they want to come out. But I just, man, with what they did this offseason, I don't see them coming in there and and upsetting this guy, these guys with the the momentum they're going to have and everything like that. I, Kansas City is going to be the sure winner, but as far as that spread, it, I, I'm not touching it, but Kansas City for sure. Interesting. Great points. Here's the thing. So one question, and Mike, I'm going to toss it over to you. So questions on deck. Super Bowl hangover, anything to be thinking about for the Kansas City Chiefs? Um, we got two guys. They just got paid big time. What we know about Houston is they lost a lot of players and a lot of good players and, and what I would call relevant players. I don't know what the team feels about the head coach. If media says anything, if there's any truth in media, um, the head coach isn't the most loved guy there. However, Deshaun Watson just took all that money, so he's there for a minute. It looks as if for the time being, these guys are married. Kansas City's bringing back pretty much everybody and like inking them the long-term deal, so they seem to be the model franchise at the moment. Mike, do you see anything different than Jake's opinion? Is there a Super Bowl hangover with Patrick McHolmes and the Kansas City Chiefs? Kev, absolutely not. 
this is like two franchises going separate directions. One on de- decline, one that is just going to continue ascending. The Chiefs bring back 20 out of 22 of their starters. They have the best player in the game, the LeBron James one would call it, because everybody wants to play with them. And a, bull, a bulldog for a running back, man. The Clyde Edwards is going to make his appearance. I feel bad the Texans got to open up like this. It's going to be ugly for them. Their first four games, they've got some tough comp- uh, competitors. But, yeah, Kansas City's young. They're dedicated, and they, the sky's the limit with a coach like Andy Reid. I got them easily covered nine and a half. Okay, interesting, um, Doug. I also want to kick it over to you. We're not gonna we're not gonna spend a whole whole lot more time, but I definitely want to give you a chance to weigh in on this game. I also want to know if Patrick Mahomes is going to need a third tattoo on his butt cheek next to Mike and Jake's lips. Is they gonna are they gonna have to put another one there? Or are you are you gonna go with the opposition? Uh. I don't. I mean, here's what I think about this game. When I think about it, I know there's only going to be like twelve to fifteen thousand fans, but that place is going to be rocking. Kansas City paid everybody from Mahomes to Kelsey to Chris Jones. I don't know how they where they got all this money from, but they paid everyone. That place is going to be going nuts. The Chiefs are going to roll through the Texans. I guess I'm getting my face planted right on that butt cheek as well, my friend. <laughs> I was going to say, yep. Yep, I'll make the appointment. I know a really good guy. He uh, he does a lot of good work here in Utah. I have to fly <laughs> funny, you guys out. Hey, the funny thing is, I didn't even mention Mahomes. Why, why am I on, on his butt cheek? What the heck? <laughs> I don't know. I felt like piling on. It felt right. I, I feel like I stole the mic from you too, too early, Jake. You definitely would have gotten there. At least that was my hunch. I guess I was being <laughs> assumptive. Shame, sh- shame on me, boys. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not denying it, but I'm just saying. Totally. Well, look, I want to go ahead and move on. I want to talk about the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots. New England's at home. They it looks to be there. Uh, they're minus five and a half. Mike, I want to go ahead and start with you. This is your world, brother. Um, Patriots still favored to win by five and a half points. Tom Brady's no longer there. In fact, who who, who does play for New England now outside of uh, outside of? Oh, yeah, that's right. Cam Newton plays there. Cam Newton has been signed to the New England Patriots. Mike, give me your feelings on that, on what it's been like waiting 20 years for the Patriots to go quarterback less and end up getting another superstar. What's happening in this game? What do you like? Let's just recap. Week 17 last year where the Dolphins go up to New England, (laughs) upset them, get them out of a second seed, and make them play an extra game where they got steamrolled by the Titans at home. New England's mad. They're angry. They're against the Dolphins. But guess what? It doesn't matter. Dolphins are coming up to New England, ruining the Boston Tea Party, and going to ruin Cam's debut. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to expose Cam just who he is. The reason why he wasn't signed, because he can't play quarterback anymore. Miami, yep, we got this. We got this easy. Fitzmagic. It will be making his appearance. You're going to see a huge gap between them. And Miami's got a young, loaded roster. I'm excited for it. Bill Belichick, you got to find a new team, bud. Okay, okay. Now, real quick, let me go ahead and dial down your fandom here for a second, and let me try to get a real answer out of you. Um, Mike, let me, let me ask you. They do have Ryan Fitzpatrick. They announced that he is the starter for week one. Um, you do have Cam Newton coming into the New England Patriots. Brand new offense for him, so obviously there's going to be some struggles there. Do you see Ryan Fitzpatrick and company realistically outdueling New England at home? I do. Is the, and okay I th- that that is your I, I do okay. 
100%. I know okay. I sound like a fan, but I always sound like a fan. I'm just saying Cam's not the answer for him. There's a reason why the other 31 teams didn't sign him. He's not going to be prepared, and Miami is good. We have the best ascending young coach in the league in Brian Flores. Our culture has changed, and that defense, that secondary for New England, they're all a year older. They're all like 33, 34 years old. Devontae Parker is about to eat. All right. Well, look, Doug, I know you're brand new, so forgive me, but I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and let Jake weigh in on this just for history's sake. Jake, I don't really have to tee this up too much. Go ahead and be easy on Mike. Let's not let's not crush him too much unless you're of course in agreement and I'm sounding stupid here, but give me your take on this. Do you think it's realistic that the Miami Dolphins go into New England and sucker punch these guys with a perhaps rusty Cam Newton and lack of weapons? Again, I'm I'm kind of wondering does Julian Edelman have enough to carry the load for a team and, and who else? So, you know, convince me, convince me I'm wrong because I think New England takes this game. Talk, talk to me about this. Man, as the biggest fishy hater out there, I, I, I hate to say it, I, I think they have a shot. I think they definitely keep within the five okay. and a half, six point spread. Okay. Uh, here's the thing, though, and, and I meant to mention this with Kansas City and Houston before you uh, planted me on Mahomes' butt. Uh, <laughs> the thing about the thing about the, the thing about these teams, and you got to look at this across the board, especially with COVID going on. So, like, what I was going to say is, Miami has the same coach from last year. They have the same the same quarterback. New England's coming in here with with a brand new, you know, like you said, like Cam Newton's coming in new scheme, everything like that. They haven't really had a chance to do any kind of like preseason, anything of that nature. If they, if there's a time for them to trip up, it would be right now. It's not like Miami's coming to New England, you know, in December when it's it's freezing cold out and they're not used to those those South Beach boys aren't used to it. I just think with the the consistency of that offense and what they had going, you know, they're coming into they're coming in from last season where they might correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they win like what was it the last three out of four games uh the dolphins did like they got a little bit of momentum going with them you know i think they started hitting their their stride the only thing that worries about me about those guys is half your wide receiver core is either COVID out or um just on the uh, ir in general just injured but other than that though i mean i do they have a shot i i, I like jordan howard is that signing i like matt rita too that's gonna be a nice little one-two punch i think those guys didn't get uh they don't get enough accolades for or uh credit for what they've been doing i hate to say it but I think Miami has a shot. Fair enough. Yes, Let me know. Yes. Hey, hey, f- fair enough. Let me know where the honeymoon is, boys. Hey, Doug. No, I'm joking. Jake. No, Jake. Honest to goodness. Great, great take, man. I, I can get behind everything you said. I think those are legit points. It's, it's hard for me to unwind 20 years of pure domination. And I know Mike and every other Miami Dolphins fan in the world's argument is, well, look at our, you know, our record against against New England year over year and we beat them in great games. That may be well and good, but the fact is is, you know, they've won a million Super Bowls and Miami doesn't make the playoffs. So it's hard for me to see this change happening, but I I can get behind it. Mike, you know I want your team to win as, you know, as bad as anybody. So uh That's a lie. Yeah. So uh no, you know, I, I want I, I wanted to win all day, dude. So, Doug, let's let's go ahead and kick it over to you. I want to talk about the Cleveland-Baltimore game. I want to talk about what's happening in your mind with this match, which is all, ultimately a rivalry. You've got two teams. One of them is, in my mind, a lot more proven than the other, but both of them have high expectations. you got the Baltimore Ravens at home at minus eight. What's your pick for this? So, to me, like this is one of the more intriguing 1, 1 p.m. Sunday games. Because Cleveland is on the rise in my mind. I mean, the second year with Baker and Odell, you got Jarvis Landry, 
Kareem Hunt's in his second year. He kind of has his role established to go with Nick Chubb, who's going to be running the ball on the ground. Like, this is an overall fun matchup. And I don't know if you guys tuned into my hot take episode last week, but one of my hot takes was Baltimore goes 16-0. and So I think that is all that needs to be said. I think Baltimore, wow. more than likely, I, I don't think the score indicates what the game actually is. I think it might be a tightly contested game, but I think ultimately Baltimore runs away with it. Once Baltimore builds a lead, it's so hard to get it back. Like seven turns to 10, which turns to 17. It happens so fast because you just never get the ball back. You have to, every time you touch the ball, you have to convert. So I think ultimately Baltimore probably does take this. I mean, the minus eight is a little scary. I think Cleveland has the firepower to keep it close. But ultimately, I think Baltimore, same quarterback as last year, same head coach. They add another set of fresh legs and J.K. Dobbins, a couple new pieces on on the wide receiver end, their defense got way better adding Clayus Campbell, Matthew Judon. Like I think they all lost a little bit in the secondary, lost a little bit in the secondary though. Any, any impact using, uh, any impact losing their safety? I think when it comes to Earl Thomas, it might've been additions by subtraction at on the initial like shock result. When they dropped Earl Thomas, I was thinking, Man, like that's a, that hurts him on the back end. But then it came out he had missed like seven or eight meetings. That was his second practice fight since he's been on the team. He might have just been more of a headache than a than like a helper. Like yeah, he might help you on the field, but you know as well. You have one guy who's always late or always causing a problem. When you get rid of that headache, sometimes just the cohesion of like a unit, whether it be a team, a workplace, it just like the cohesion gets better and overall just uplifts the whole team. So I think, I think the Earl Thomas thing is not going to be as big as I thought it was at first. I'm curious as your guys' take, honestly, this is, this is going to be a fun one for sure. Fair enough. Well, I want to tell you right now, I'm going to have to weigh in on this. So as you guys know, I'm a, I'm a lifelong Cleveland Browns fan. I also occasionally like to poke myself in the eye with a fork, um, shove bamboo up my fingernails, <laughs> uh, you know, all those other fun things, you know, those self, self, uh, torturing type of things that other people enjoy and who are Cleveland Browns fans. But I, uh, I will tell you this, um, I don't think Cleveland comes out and, uh, and does anything, but puts everybody on a huge upset alert and that's their own fan base. Um, Cleveland's going to absolutely choke. <laughs> I don't know really how anybody can make an argument that they're going to go into Baltimore and beat these guys. Your your take on them being 16-0 is super potent. I don't know that I necessarily get behind that. But how, however, if somebody told me they finished 15-1, 16-0, judging what they did, you know, based off what they did last season and how I still believe that Lamar is a step ahead of the NFL right now, yeah, that that wouldn't shock me. What would shock me more is if the Browns beat them in uh, in opening week. So that's my take on it. I don't want to get too far into the details. Jake, let's go ahead and get back with you. I want to go ahead and jump over to the New York Jets. They are at Buffalo. Buffalo is minus six and a half. What's your take here? We've got an addition to Stefan Diggs and company. The Jets, you know, they still have Le'Veon Bell. Um, not a whole lot more to talk about, in my opinion, on that team. But you might have a different take, and that's what I want to hear. Nope, you're spot on, my man. I think the Jets minus maybe the Jaguars might be the biggest dumpster fire in the NFL this season. Could I don't, be. I, I don't like anything about, I don't like that team a, a whole lot about that team. I feel bad for Sam. I think he's got a, 
he's got the talent, but he's got nothing around him. He's got a, a bum of a coach in Adam Gase. You know, they lost C.J. Mosley to the COVID. He already opt out. That's, you know, that's your commander in chief uh, on your defensive side at linebacker. Uh, Buffalo, I mean, they're on the up, they're up, the up and coming. You mentioned Stefan Diggs. Uh, Doug and I have our, our face tattooed on Zach Moss's butt cheek along with Patrick Mahomes. We're, we're big fans of uh, the running back they got out of Utah. Uh, Buffalo did nothing but get better. And they already had a top five defense last year. They didn't lose anybody on defense. They had done nothing but add pieces around them. I don't think Josh Allen is the absolute truth as far as a, a quarterback, but he's in a position right now where as long as you don't lose the game for us, we, we can be successful. I think they just molly walk the, the dog, you know what, out of uh, the justice th- that week. Yeah, I buy that. I think that's right. Things to watch in that game. Does Sam Darnold improve enough to carry an entire team on his back? Would be interesting to see. If he can, that means he's beating a bona fide defense in Buffalo. Um, Josh Allen, definitely a player to watch. Stefan Diggs, how's that meshing? Outside of that, not a whole lot of time that I want to spend out uh, on that particular game. Mike, we're going to go ahead and kick it to you. I want to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders playing at Carolina. Carolina is uh, they're they're favored to lose this game. They're, they're so so they're yeah, at home. They're home yeah, it looks like they're gonna they're gonna lose this game per Vegas. Um, talk to me about this. What's going on in this game? What's your prediction? Oh, Kev, this is a tough one. <laughs> I mean, this is like throwing darts at a board blindfolded. But uh, I'm gonna go with the traditional way. What usually happens in NFL. I'm going to take the East Coast team to beat the West Coast team. You know, Raiders having to come out from Las Vegas, uh, Carolina Panthers at home. This is going to be a new look for the Panthers. Uh, they're a young team, very, uh, very young. In fact, on defense, they, they went pretty much all draft picks on defense this year. But uh, I think the Raiders, they're going to be in for a long, longer season they project, and the Panthers are going to have a down year too. But if I if you, you said pick one or the other, I'm going to take the home team on East Coast. I mean, I don't know. Does anybody else have any more to weigh in on this? I don't think that was a pretty strong take on my part. I mean, if anybody wants to For grab me, the mic, feel, feel free. Yeah, Doug, go ahead. Talk, talk about this teams if you want. I know Jay just said that he thinks that maybe the Jets are the biggest dumpster fire behind Jacksonville, but I don't know if you guys saw this. This doesn't really pertain to week one per se, but did anyone see the move that the Raiders made this week? So they drafted Lynn Bowden Jr., former quarterback at Kentucky, turned running back slash wide receiver. They drafted him in the third round in the draft this year. They packaged him in a six-round pick and traded him for a fourth rounder this this week. Who drafts a running back in the third round, packages him with a six-round pick, and gets a fourth back? If you ask me, the Raiders are the biggest dumpster fire in the NFL, maybe even above the Jags. I mean – Mike Mayock, man, stick to TV. John Gruden, stick to NFL quarterback camp or whatever it's called. I think Carolina has a chance to come out and upset these guys. Just riding off the high of signing Matt Rule, Teddy Bridgewater's first game. He has something to prove. I know that defense is terrible, but let's not act like the Raiders are packing crazy firepower on offense. I get it. They have potential with Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards. They got Josh Jacobs and proved himself. Derek Carr is still kind of like, I mean, his own team doesn't even quite believe in him yet. Every year it seems like they're talking about maybe picking a quarterback. I I give Carolina a pretty good chance in this one, man. Minus three to the Raiders on the road. Smash Carolina all all day in this one. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you what. I When I think about these two teams, I think about – Pretty much, in at least in my mind, position for, for, for position, it's arguably a wash outside of, of the running back position where you've got Christian McCaffrey. For that reason alone, I'm thinking he's the best playmaker on the team, probably one of the best playmakers in the league. Um, 
I like them for that reason. Not to mention Teddy Bridgewater came in, won five games for the Saints last year, stepped in, did not miss a beat. Teddy could shock some people. Who knows? I uh, What I do know is that we know who Derek Carr is, and I think the Raiders do as well. They could have Trevor Lawrence on the mind. You, you may be on to something, Doug. They could be tanking one more year. But that's the thing. I think John Gruden is now going to be like seven years into a 10-year rebuild. Or No, realistically, he's five years in though, right? He's halfway through with that 10-year contract. Yeah, that $100 million contract. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Ten year, Halfway through a 10-year contract, they've done nothing. And at this point, if you're going to try to convince management, let's burn it down, um, potentially go with a rookie next year, a quarterback, Marcus Mariota in the waiting. I don't know. They, they seem crazy. You're right. Mike Mayock looks pandemonious over there. If they come out and win the Super Bowl, I mean, what, stupid, a, though. what a coincidence is the fact that they hired him really to sell tickets when they come to LA and then coronavirus hits and now you can't even have fans. Like the whole John Gruden experiment is a joke. Like literally he was, he was brought in to be a face that could sell tickets. You know, you can put him on the, on the pillars outside the new stadium or I mean the Las Vegas outside the new stadium, put his picture up there. You get some nice quotes from him. Now you can't even really have fans. Like they, they need to get rid of him and Mayock. He needs to go back to TV. Mayock needs to go back to TV. It's really, it's really a shame what they've done to that franchise, man. Yeah, no, I'm yeah, with, I'm with if you. If I that. can, just real quick to chime in, if anything says anything about the Oakland and, and Doug, to Doug's point about them being a dumpster fire, their last game in the black hole last year against the Jaguars, they were up 17 nothing and still ended up losing that game. Mm-hmm. There's just no fight in that team. I just don't, you know, like you have some pride, man. Like you guys are, it's the last game in Oakland with your, your diehard fan base, you know, second only to, you know, the dog pound, Kevin. Like, man, it just was, that was embarrassing, man. I just don't, like, to your point, Doug, dude, I just don't see any fight in these guys. Like, they don't believe in that. You know, you don't bring in Marcus Mariota if you believe in Derek Carr. You know, it's just it just seems like one one swing and a miss after another with those cats. Yeah, I hear you on that. No, it ma- makes sense. And again, I almost feel like um, I feel like both of those franchises are in such a weird spot that it's really. I mean, it, it is throwing darts at a board. I mean, one of them could literally erupt one week. They could be terrible the next week. I feel like it's a roller coaster, re- regardless for both of those teams. Whoever wins the first game is going to be the, the luckier of the two. Um, Doug, let's stick with you. Seattle at Atlanta. Seattle's minus one. What do you think about this game? I, I for one, I'm interested in a couple things. One, I want to see if Todd Gurley's knee is uh, is anything close to serviceable. And uh, two, I want to see my boy Russell Wilson crush everybody. So uh, talk to me about this game. What do you like? Well, right off the bat, I mean, they get to test their new traded for safety, Jamal Adams, because let me tell you, he's going to have his hands full with this Atlanta offense. I mean, they have playmakers everywhere. So that should be a fun matchup right off the bat. I I don't know exactly who has the edge here. I think these guys are talent-wise pretty comparable. I think the one X factor being, like you said, Russell Wilson, because in yeah. my mind, he's the best quarterback in this league, man. If, if you gave him the weapons that Mahomes had and let him throw the ball – 40 to 50 times a week, he would put up the numbers Mahomes had does at a higher efficiency rate. I, I really think that I think he's special as much as I don't like the guy. He's kind of corny off the field, but Mr. Unlimited. What it comes, what, what it comes down to me is Seattle's not going to let Russ throw the ball like we, we all want him to. I mean, they win by running the ball. They have won by running the ball for the past three, four years. They're going to stick to that. They're going to try to keep the ball out of Atlanta's hands. I think Seattle edges this one out, even in Atlanta. I mean, I don't know if they're one of the teams that can have fans, but let's be real. It's not like they have the most rowdy fan base in the league anyways. Ultimately, I side with Russ. What do you guys think? 
All right. So Mike, great takes, Doug. Mike, I'm going to kick it over to you. Doug, I I, I feel all your points. I, I feel that you're right. Let me comment on this. I'm going to segue this over to Mike. I think there may be a turning of the tides and maybe a turn in, men, in mindset. And tell me if I'm wrong, but they do now have DJ Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, who, in my opinion, was a standout surprise receiver last year. I had him in fantasy; he was fantastic. Um, for the most part, he was fantastic. A little bit rough towards the end of the year, but he was he, he was a really good pick. Definitely over exceeded my expectations. And they just signed Josh Gordon again. And I know what everybody's thinking. Yeah, Josh Gordon gets signed for two games, out for two years, right? Uh, you just Mister Unreliable cannot <laughs> count on the guy. But Mike, in a perfect world. You've got DJ Metcalf, who is what six foot three, six foot four, two hundred and twenty-five, thirty pounds, runs a four-three. Opposite of him, you've got, in my mind, Josh Gordon, who's six foot four, two hundred and thirty, runs a four-three. You've got Tyler Lockett now in the slot. Talk to me about this team, man. Is Russell Wilson set up for the biggest year of his life? Because in my mind, I think he's got the receiving corpse to now take them there. Kev, let me say something, too, and uh, Jake and Doug just did their wild takes. My wild take for this game is DK Metcalf's the best wide receiver on the field this week. Could happen. Yes. He is a man among boys, and Russell Wilson finally has his alpha target. Uh, this is the same story for these teams. They've played a couple times, uh, you know, the last few years. Seattle will end up out physical. like they'll, they'll, they'll just physically dominate them after a while. Atlanta's finesse. They always are. Matt Ryan can't get it done. And we're talking about a quarterback that is on a decline quick. I mean, what other quarterback has all these weapons, first-rounders around him everywhere, and uh, can't get back in the playoffs? I don't know. I'm not a believer in Matt Ryan. Maybe I'm a little bitter from last year's fantasy experience with him, but Atlanta's a bunch of hoopla, a bunch of, yeah, we'll put some points up here and there, but Seattle's coming in. They're on a mission. And Seattle also knows the pressure's on because – 49ers look a little vulnerable right now having their wide receivers completely depleted. I'm going Russell Wilson, the second best player in the league, Dougie. So look, I'll agree. I I am not a fan of the Falcons by any means. I think, and you guys have heard me say this about 10 million times, Dan Quinn is a dead man walking. He is coaching for his job. That is a dangerous situation for a team to be in, has been like that since they they lost the Super Bowl. Um, So I would agree there. And look, real quick before we move on, Mike, if DJ Metcalf ends up being like you mentioned, which I agree, I happen to have this exact same feeling that he is going to be the number one receiver on on that field. What does that do for Tyler Lockett and, again, Josh Gordon? If that's your number two and number three receiver, my goodness. Again, I ask. Is Russell Wilson set up to have the biggest year of his career, assuming everybody stays healthy and on the field? And he's been vocal, Kev. He's been vocal. He's come out and said he wants to not have to play so conservative, man. He want he he sees these other quarterbacks and those high octane offenses, and he wants to be a part of it. So I think you're gonna actually, you know, Russell Wilson's the good the good guy that always falls in line. He's advocating for more opportunities because he knows. Just like you're talking about, he's got some serious dogs to throw that ball to. And uh, with his mobility, his vision, his accuracy, uh, Seattle's going to be dangerous. And I think they're trying to make a run at MCU uh, West. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Real quick, Kevin, if I can comment, too. I was going to, to Mike's point, the first time that Mike was mentioning that, he he called out 
Pete Carroll. It's the first time in his in his tenure there that he's actually said something like that. It was straight up calling Pete Carroll out for his play calling and everything like that. You know the frustrations there. I think that like to your point that he's going to be unleashed this year. I think especially people forget that Josh Gordon at one time had what was it sixteen touchdowns for you guys with the Browns when yeah. he came in the league, yeah, Kevin? In fourteen in fourteen games. Um and I want hey. yeah, I want to say thirteen, fourteen hundred yards as well. Yeah, he was a baller, man. But that's and why weed, they called him. Weed is legal in Washington. <laughs> that's true. It is. I was say, but, but, weed, weed is le- legal in Washington, the state of Washington. I'm just saying. That's true. But I'm going to tell you, man, that year, Josh Gordon flashed onto the scene and flashed right off and never came back. Um, Jake, let's stick with you. We've got Philadelphia minus six at the Washington football team. Let's talk about this. Um, and let's let's yeah, let's not even get too deep on the uh, on the old name here. But talk to me about this. In my mind, it's a no-brainer. Um, even though Washington's at home, Philly comes in there, their favorite six to win. Talk to me about this game. I don't know, man. To be honest, the funny thing is, it's, the only reason I'm intrigued with this game is because it's an NFC East battle. And I kind of want to see who comes out on, on top. But the fact that Philadelphia is minus six, I mean, they don't have – they already lost their first-round draft pick in Jalen Rager. He's not going to be playing. Deshaun Watts – or excuse me, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson is 86 years old. You know, I'm, I don't know how much he has left in the tank. You got Zach Ertz, who I know Mike loves, but, you know, he's already got Dallas Goddard in the whim waiting for him. I just – I don't know about this team. They already lost they, – they cut Jason Peters for the left tackle they had drafted, who just now got injured. They already had signed Jason Peters back to right guard and now making a move to left tackle. Like, I, I do. their line is getting a little bit more beat up than what it's used to. Honestly, with – Washington, they have a disgusting defensive line. They have nothing but first round draft picks on their defensive line. That's true. I think they can hang in. I think they can hang in this. I'm not a huge uh, uh, Dwayne Haskins fan per se. That was going to be my next uh, question. Know, he is an Ohio State. That was, yeah, I was going to say he, he is an Ohio State quarterback, and I mean, you guys get 21 of 22 positions right, but that for some reason you guys can't nail that. But you know what? <laughs> what He's Craig Krenzel from, from last season. You don't like Craig Krenzel? Yeah, with. What, <laughs> three and thirteen with the Bears. I was just gonna year? say, dude, don't forget about good. his stint with the Bears. Keep going though. I'm feeling. Yeah, right. I'm the same. I'm with you on Dwayne Haskins, and, and I guess Jake, to, to, to not interrupt, but that was going to be my question to you. That that for me, yes, their defense. And again, you know, we, we haven't seen them play yet this year, but it looks as if their defense should be legit or at least be able to rush the passer. But the right. question is, can they put up they points? Have, they, yeah, they, I mean, honestly, that that's the uh, that you know that's. You know the double-edged sword. You know they'll keep they'll, the defense will keep them in the game, especially you know Ron Rivera is a defensive-minded coach. Uh, I think that defense is going to be gnarly. They'll keep them in games, uh, but after Terry McLaurin, like who can you name? You know, as far as the wide receiver on that team, I I I, I question, I, I challenge, I don't know to be honest. Totally. I feel like I know a little bit about the NFL, but I, I don't know. Uh, Clinton Portis, running back situations. Clinton Portis little, still play there. No, he's too busy trying to repossess all his 17 cars he owned. You know, he's on broke. But ah, too bad. No, I mean, and that's yeah, and that's just it though. Like the running back, they just cut AP. Uh, Adrian Peterson just got cut. Uh, they lost Darius guys. You know, obviously for good reason. You know that 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 do need to get out of the league. He's he needs some help. Um, I know they got the guy out of Memphis. They drafted, but. You know, it's just and Bryce loves there from Stanford. You you just don't know what that that offense right now. I just don't know. Defense will keep them in games. I think they can keep within a little, the six points with Philadelphia. I won't say they'll win. Philadelphia always pulls it out. I think Doug Pearson is as that good of a coach. Uh, but Ron Rivera is no chump. You know, he did go to the Super Bowl with the Panthers. I'm just saying. Yeah, I was just so, going to say. So, th- I th- oh, go ahead. I was just going to say I got Philly winning, but I think Washington keeps within the six points. To be honest. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I think things to watch. How does Ron Rivera coach this team? A um, lot of young guys, very little talent on offense, in my opinion, including the quarterback. Um, and that wasn't a dig earlier at Clinton Portis when I said too bad he got all of his stuff repoed. I hate that. Clinton Portis was one of my favorite players, man. I freaking love Clinton Portis. I remember he was on an episode of Cribs back in the day and he was like all of his shoes and like the way his room was laid out. I was like, man, Clinton Portis is the man. That sucks if he lost all his stuff. I hope he gets it back. Either way, Doug. Well, yeah, it's good. Oh, go yeah, ahead. He had a, he had a, he had a, he had a, he had a crooked account that kind of did some pocketing of some money that kind of screwed him. Ah, it's garbage, man. That sucks. Doug, I want to go ahead and move to you. We've got Chicago at Detroit. Detroit is minus three to win, uh, to win over Chicago. Now, to my understanding, the the Bears just named Mitchell Trubisky their starter yet again. Uh, looks like Mike Nagy is glutting for punishment. I don't understand this. You bring in <laughs> Nick Foles. In my opinion, look, you know what Mitchell Trubisky is. Did he get in the playbook a little bit more this offseason? Has anybody accused him of not being able to study a playbook? I don't think so. I don't know that he can play quarterback in the NFL. The jury is still out, and they're going to run with him what do you think is happening? Some nice new additions in Detroit. I'm not a huge fan of their head coach, but they do have DeAndre Swift coming in at running back. One of the things that Matt Stafford has lacked his entire career, which is a run game. Doug, weigh in. I mean, let's just start off with the whole Trubisky thing. There's a reason they brought in Foles and not Newton. I mean, they traded for Foles when they could have got Newton off the street. They wanted Trubisky to win this job. They wanted no part of bringing Cam Newton in there and killing his confidence. The only reason he's starting is because you can bring Nick Foles off the bench. He's been in that scenario before. But if you bench Trubisky week one, there's no bringing him back. He's done. Once he hits the bench, his NFL career is done, at least his NFL starting career. I mean, the team will probably pick him up as a backup somewhere along the line. You know, He's a mobile guy who seems like he has some arm talent. Go ahead. Let me ask you this, Doug. Let me ask you this then. If the objective truly is like you don't bring in a Cam Newton because you don't want to destroy Mitch Trubisky's confidence, are you telling me that the people at Chicago, including Matt Nagy, believe that Mitchell Trubisky is going to be their quarterback of the future? Is that is that what you feel? Because I mean, in my mind, I I just don't know how they're there. But you tell tell me if I'm wrong. I don't think that they. I don't think they feel he's going to be the quarterback of the future more so than Adam. This is not a, this is not a naggy thing. This is a pace thing. Their GM needs Trubisky to be the future. When you trade all those picks that they did to jump up, what was it? Two spots, one spot to get Trubisky. If he doesn't pan out, it doesn't matter if Nick Foles comes in and wins nine games. He's gone. Pace is gone. If Trubisky doesn't work out, like that's what it comes down to. Pace's job is strictly, tied to Trubisky's success and sadly I think Nagy's job is as well and I don't even we don't even know if Nagy wanted Trubisky this is a pace thing 100% he needs Trubisky to work out or his job's done and sadly for him he's not going to work out Uh, he just he doesn't have the football sense he has the he has the arm talent he has the legs he just doesn't have it between between the ears that's what it comes down to it's a sad place for an organization and a dangerous place for an organization to be because you say GM and you talk about pace, but when I when I think about that, I think about ownership. And, and here's why. It's not as if the owner is blocked off to what's going on. And it's very evident that they're hanging on to this kid as an attempt to save their job. In my mind, that sets the entire organization back another year. When you have superstars that are in their prime, reminded Khalil Mack is on that team. And look, he's got Sometime. two or three more years of real juice. 
And so it's like, what, what do you do? Why, why wait another year? It's, it's a head scratcher to me. It's, it's a head scratcher I mean, to me. At the end of the day, these guys are humans just like us, but they make a lot of money, man. They have egos bigger than what we probably even realize. And when you tie your name to a quarterback that you trade everything for, sometimes it's hard to set your ego aside. Like It's easy for us to say that. But when you go on Twitter or you go on ESPN and you're con- your guy's constantly getting bashed, 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 your fan base is turned against you, all you desperately want is that guy to work out so you can kind of say, like, look, I'm not as dumb as you guys say I am on <laughs> national television. It's a good point. And this isn't even getting into the game. Just before I even we throw it to somebody else, this game to me, Detroit is going to boat race these guys. Chicago's offense is absolutely terrible. They're talking about starting Corderell Patterson at running back. Yes, former wide receiver for six different teams in the NFL. Corderell Patterson is going to be their starting running back week one with David Montgomery out. You have Mitch Trubisky, who can't hit the broad side of a barn. I feel bad for Allen Robinson. He goes from Blake Bortles to Trubisky to eventually Nick Foles. Detroit's offense is going to, I mean, I'm not saying Chicago, Chicago has a great defense, but as we've seen, we've seen it happen many times. We've seen it happen to the Jaguars, the Patriots this year. It looks like their defense is going to be a shell of what it was last year. Defenses decline rapidly. Like when you have that window with a solid defense, it's usually only a two, maybe a three-year window at max. It even happened with, with Seattle with the Legion of Boom, Denver when they had Peyton. Like when you have that defense, it's harder to keep that together than it is to keep offensive core together. I'm not 100% sure why that is, but Chicago's defense has to be on the decline. I mean, Matt got a year older. I get they got um they got another pass rusher back in uh I can't think of his name right the second clip. Avril, I think it Robert is. Robert Quinn. Yeah, Robert Quinn. Robert that's Quinn who was, well. my bad. Robert Quinn. They got Robert Quinn back, so that's a boost, a shot in the arm. But I think Detroit's offense is like primed for a great year and the way to beat Detroit is to expose that defense and I just don't think Trubisky has it in him I see Detroit covering this three-point spread at home and I see him covering it by a pretty good margin I have a lot of Chicago fan friends who are like they're overly optimistic about this year and I think that Detroit comes in and punches these guys in the mouth and I think that optimism goes right out the window I think Chicago's gonna be picking in the bottom 10 this year man I think that offense is absolute garbage no argument here, man. Well said. Great points. Guys, let's go ahead and move on. For time's sake, I'm going to go ahead and briefly glaze over Indianapolis and Jacksonville. In my mind, not a whole lot to watch there. Hopefully, Father Time doesn't catch Phillip Rivers. Jacksonville, we'd mentioned before, is an absolute dumpster fire. In my mind, you got Indianapolis. They're away. They're minus, uh, minus seven and a half to win. Um, I think they do win this. I don't want to get too caught in the weeds on this game. I want to move on to Green Bay and Minnesota. Mike, I want to go ahead and ask you, what are your thoughts on Green Bay and Minnesota? A lot swirling around about Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, they went with Jordan Love, the quarterback, out of Utah with the uh, with their first-round pick. Didn't help him at all on offense. You've got Kirk Cousins, who just re-upped in Minnesota. Dalvin Cook may not be playing. He might be playing. We don't know what's going on. Talk to me about this game. Yeah, this game's got Minnesota in all over it. Uh, the Vikings are going to come out. They're improved from last year, strong at home. They seem to have Green Bay's number. I love the front four that they're going to be able to put pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I mean, obviously, division division competition, they're going to be close at sometimes. But I think when you took both teams and you put the top 10 players on each side of each uh, column, I would say eight of the 10 are on with Minnesota, maybe Devontae Adams and Rodgers on the other side. So Minnesota all day at home. 
I'm, I'd be uh, pretty uh, pretty surprised if Green Bay could pull anything off here. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, let's go ahead and keep moving. I feel like I feel like that's well said. In my opinion, very very early in the season to really break out, you know, predictions for these two teams. I think they both have potential to make playoff runs. I I feel like they both could really wither away pretty early in the season. Time will tell. I want to go ahead and move on. Can here. I say this super quick? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Super no, quick. go ahead. Yeah. I'm not even going to give a, I'm not even going to give a point behind this. I couldn't agree, disagree more. Bet the house on Green Bay. Vegas Thank knows you. what Thank the public you. is thinking. No, no, we don't even need to get into this. Vegas knows what public perception is. I'm not saying that Minnesota isn't better, but public perception is that Green Bay is on the down. Just bet the house on Green Bay. Go ahead. We don't even need to get into arguing about it. That's fine. I just wanted to throw my two cents out there. Interesting take. Moneymakers out there. Listen to Dougie Fresh here. We got it. Uh, you got. You heard her first here. Guys, same idea. I want to kind of glaze over the L.A. Chargers and Cincinnati game. Chargers, quarterback list, in my opinion, Tyrod Taylor. They're going to come in there. He's going to come in there and do what he does and manage the game. Cincinnati, you got Joe Burrow coming out, playing his very first game as an NFL quarterback. They're at home. Uh, Chargers minus three to win this game. Again, I don't want to get lost in the weeds. We'll see what happens. We'll see what shakes out and see if we eventually might get you know a quarterback rookie duel down the road. Um, I want to move on and definitely want to talk about Arizona and San Francisco. And Jake, we're going to go ahead and start with you on this one. Arizona, Kyler Murray coming into year two. They've got DeAndre Hopkins freshly delivered on their doorstep. It is time to play ball. I love what's going on there tough opponent coming off the Super Bowl uh, I guess the uh, the losers of the Super Bowl this last year in San Francisco but they are revamped healthy and ready to go outside of maybe Debo Samuels but I do believe he may play week one if not he'll definitely be in there week two week three talk to me about this game do the Cardinals stand a chance we've got uh, San Francisco favored to win by seven points 100% Arizona has a chance. The two games that they played them last year, they gave uh, San Francisco fits. They kept within the six points or the seven points of this spread. Now, being the degenerate gambler that I am, I got that at uh, Arizona plus seven and a half. So we call that the hook. So at least I got that half a point in case it does go to a, a, exactly a touchdown uh, victory for San Fran. I just think to me, you, you mentioned Debo Samuel. It's not even that. Brandon Ayuk, their uh, first round draft pick wide receiver out of Arizona State. He's he there. Been, he's not been on the. He's there, but he's not practicing. He's been injured too. True. Then you got uh, you said mention you mentioned Debo Samuel had his injury. Uh, and I'm, I'm blanking on uh, Jalen Hurd. Is he even back 100 percent healthy? I just think that right now in this situation in this game, there is not a lot of firepower for San Francisco. They got their defense. I understand that, but if it. In my opinion, Arizona, like you mentioned, had done has done nothing but get better this this offseason. You, you added DeAndre Hopkins. You drafted possibly the best overall pick in the, in the draft in Isaiah Simmons. Uh, they they revamped their uh, offensive line, which was kind of dismal. And like you mentioned, it's Kyler Murray's second year, and now he's got DeAndre Hopkins to throw to. That's going to make Christian Kirk that much more uh, viable. Uh, that's going to open up the – I like Kenny and Drake too at running back. I think he got a bad rap in Miami. Sorry, no offense, Mike, but you know he just wasn't you – know, he's got too much talent to be wasted on, I, I feel like. I like I like Arizona. I, I Like I said, that was – I made this wager over a week ago when it was still 7.5 because I was that confident about it. I think Arizona keeps within it. I know it's, it's, it's in San Francisco or I guess Levi Stadium, which is what, Santa Barbara now. But regardless uh, – Man, I, and I just you know Jimmy 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 G's Jimmy G. I don't you know I don't I'm not scared of him. 
you know, I'm not looking across the field and seeing, uh, you know, like you said, like a Patrick Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson. I mean, it's Jimmy G, you know, they tried to get Kirk Cousins in there before Jimmy G. So that was their second tier choice, if that says anything. I like Arizona 100%. I think they, I won't say they will be the outright winners, but they will definitely keep it close like they did last year. Well, I'll tell you what, man. One thing I will say about that, I know what Kyler Murray will be looking at. He will be looking at Nick Bosa and all of the other first rounders right in no the doubt. eye. No doubt. Tough, tough tough draw but your point stands he's in his second year he's got a nice nice uh plethora of new weapons to work with so I, i'm with you on that well, if not, they if they came out and shocked him it wouldn't surprise me either yeah and it's not like he's a statue either he's not daniel jones oops sorry sorry doug uh you know kyler can move you know what i mean he, he can get around I, yeah oh, don't totally. get me wrong that 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 front four is gnarly they got the second to none in the nfl i don't think maybe maybe baltimore can challenge him but at least kyler can move though you know what i'm saying he's not you know, just completely just, you know, immobile. It's not paying Manny back there, I guess. No, that's right. I, I get that point too, but I, that's I, right. I just think they keep it within this. Yeah, I think you're right. Keep it within I, that seven and a half. I think you're right. I think that, I think that makes sense. I, um, I, I won't argue that Kyler can move. He better be prepared to as well. Doug, I want to kick it over to you and talk about Tampa Bay and New Orleans. You've got New Orleans at home. They're minus three. New Orleans is favored to win this. I think that it is because they're at home that they're probably favored. That and you know Tom Brady and company in, uh, in in Tampa Bay, they're just going to barely be able to kind of mold together and gel together this first uh, the, this first game. They got a hell of a draw there. New Orleans, a team that is a well oiled, well functioning machine. What's your outlook for this game? What do you think's happening? First of all, from a betting perspective, I'm going to stay away from this game at all costs. There's just too many, too much variance in what Tampa Bay could or couldn't be. Like, I'm staying away from this from a betting perspective, but from like a watching perspective, I cannot wait to watch this game. I'm so excited to see what Tom, what kind of offense Arians is running. Is it his offense? Is it Brady's offense? Is Leonard Fournette going to get a lot of the touches? Is Ronald Jones going to be involved? Who's going to get the most targets at wide receiver? Is it going to be Chris Godwin over the middle of the field? Is it going to be? Mike Evans and like a Randy Moss role from that 2011 team where he's just going over the top of everybody. And that's not even mentioned in New Orleans side of the ball. You got Kamara, who it seems like he's going to have a deal done here any day. So he's going to be primed and ready to go get as many touches as he can. You got Michael Thomas. This is going to be a shootout. What I would think about betting is the over 49. I know 49 seems like a lot, but I could see this being a shootout and being a shootout quick. These are like, they're not top tier defenses, but they're, they're decent defenses, but I think that there's going to be a shootout and whoever gets the ball last wins. Let's go. I'm ready for Breeze versus Brady. I heard that. Like, let's do this. I heard that. Yeah, I'm ready for it too, man. I um, I don't know what's going to happen, man. I, I, what I do know is it's must-see TV, but great analysis. I, I agree with everything you said. I, I, I'm interested in a couple of specific players on Tampa Bay. Obviously, I want to see if the Brady to Gronk connection is still alive, if anything's there. Um, definitely, I'm interested to see what Drew Brees looks like. They're both fighting father time. I mean, I, I don't know. That, that somebody better be there to pump up their wheelchairs on the uh, on the sidelines in, in between huddles. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It could be a it could be a fireworks show. It could be an absolute bust. But uh, you know, time will tell. Look, I want to go ahead and move on. And uh, I, Mike, I'm going to get to you next, but I have to definitely kick this game over to Jake. I know it's your turn, but, you know, Jake, I got to go ahead and ask you, what's going on with Dallas and L.A.? I want to get your take on Dallas and L.A. What, what's going on with that game, man? 
To be honest, I mean, <clears throat> I mentioned earlier in the podcast, it makes me a little nervous just because we have a brand new coach, brand new. Uh, it's not so much a new offense. I mean, it is, but it isn't. We still have uh, Kellen Moore running our uh, offensive coordinator calling the plays. But when I mentioned earlier about the the consistency with a, with a coach and a, a quarterback, we don't have that going into this game. You know, um, I'm anxious. I know that. Doug knows this as much as anybody that I absolutely despise the Rams as far as them having any kind of talent whatsoever. I think they're going to be a six and 10 team. So I would say if, if any team that we're going to open up with, even in LA in their new stadium and all that good stuff, I'm not scared of the Rams at all. I'm not scared of Jared Goff slash Ryan Gosling. I think we, I think we <laughs> take this one. I think we, we, I think we put it to them. I just think they got a lot of, uh, they got a lot of big name players with a lot of big contracts, but nothing else around him, you know? Yeah. Aaron Donald is a man among boys. He's clearly the best, you know, defensive player in, or defensive lineman, even player, honestly, in the league. Jalen Ramsey's a, a beast. He should have been on our team in the draft over, uh, I'm sorry, Zeke, but even over you after that though, man, dude, I'm not scared of him. One bit. I think we take this. I'm, I'm anxious to see the flow of it with, uh, you know, like I said, with the new Mike McCarthy and everything in that, but, I mean, this. I don't want to sound like a homer, but I think we covered that three points and uh, and then some. Let's put it this Fair way: enough. last year we beat the and we beat them by three touchdowns last year. So, yeah, I mean, I look, that, I. Oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I definitely think Dallas is is the better team. There's no question. Yes, LA's at home, and they, yeah, their defense is going to be gnarly. You you know that Aaron Donald's going to come to play, and I like Cam Akers, man. I I, I definitely think that Todd Gurley called a lot of unnecessary attention to himself sometimes when he was in the game even though this last year he didn't play nearly as much as he did in previous years I still think it's almost kind of like if you look back at the Chargers towards the end of LaDainian Tomlinson's career he's such a big name and demands so much attention on the offense it can kind of be daunting and weighing to the offense I feel like Cam Akers could be a breath of fresh air I'm not saying he's their savior but it wouldn't surprise me if they came out and put up some pretty good points remember it's not a couple years ago these boys were in a Super Bowl. And yes, their team is different, but they do still have the coach and quarterback intact. And I know you hate on Jared Goff, but uh, the dude can well, ball. It, it, he, he's, he's up and down. I would just say this too. They were the 26th ranked uh, offensive line last year, and they didn't do anything to do anything about that. Like they didn't draft anybody. They didn't sign anybody. So, you know, like what's different? You know what I mean? They got rid of – Brandon Cooks isn't there anymore. I just, you know, and they did a lot. And for Dallas, you've got the just made parole defensive line from, uh, you know, everybody, I guess, guys born before <laughs> 1984 just got out of jail, all of them on your defensive line. So there there could be something there. Randy Gregory and Alden Smith are sharing uh, sharing overrides <laughs> to uh, their, their, PO, uh, their PO visits yeah. every week. So they're saving no, money at least a little bit. No, no, no shame in Dallas, man. No shame in Dallas. Just, uh, just get to the quarterback, and you can, you can have a roster spot for sure. Um, Amen, Mike. I want to kick it over to you. I want to talk about one of our Monday night games. Want to talk about Tennessee and Denver? Now, your boy, ex Miami Dolphin quarterback Ryan Tanless Thrill, is at the helm. He is now a hundred million dollar man. You've got Derrick Henry in tow. But they are coming up against what was the last six games of the season this last year, a red-hot Denver Broncos team who have made some gnarly additions to their offensive arsenal. So talk to me about this game. What do you think is happening here? Kev, you know I I love me some Tannehill. I love me some Derrick Henry. But, man, did they pull the wrong card on this one. I can't think of another place to play week one, maybe South Beach in Miami, uh, that's harder, or maybe a Tampa Bay, than Denver on the road. Uh, 
Tennessee's going to have a hard time keeping up, breathing with the altitude and the, the Rockies. And, man, that offense, they're trying to put together their own uh, Kansas City, we would call it, with Drew Locke. They got Jared Judy, Noah Fent, the big tight end. We got Cortland Sutton. He was on the, already on the scene last year. I mean, this team just got it got better a lot by this uh, offseason. Fawn Miller, he's going to be able to do his thing along with Bradley Chubb. This is a big reason because Jarrell Casey is going to be that big D tackle in the middle, open up some holes. I think Denver gets him. And I, and I think, you know, Tennessee is still going to have a really good year, but I think sometimes you just pull the wrong card at the wrong time. And uh, Denver, Denver's going to get him week one. It's awesome. I, I think you're 100% right. It, it was it was definitely an incredible last half to the run uh, to the to the season for the Broncos and I do I agree with you man I think they're red hot and I think their defense is still intact they could be a team to watch it's going to be interesting nonetheless man it's going to be interesting nonetheless Doug I want to go ahead and say I was going to say real go go ahead go ahead Jake I was going to say real quick a, a fun little stat Doug correct me if I'm wrong but in the last decade week one and week two playing at home, the Broncos, because of that altitude you're talking about, Mike, they cover their spread like 85% of the time because teams are not. I think it in, might even be more than 85. Yeah, it, it's it, was, it was something crazy. Week one and week two in Denver, it's, yeah, they, they have like a, a significant advantage. So to your point, Mike. Yeah. yeah, and if Denver wasn't in Kansas City's division and Kansas City wasn't the super team, I mean, they, we'd be talking about them anywhere else. You know, uh, maybe not in Baltimore's. That those are the only two teams I could think that really outclass them. Besides that, Denver's got talent to talent with any other team in this league. And John Elway just continues to build that franchise. And I think he finally found his franchise quarterback in Drew Luck. Uh, that guy's going to be scary if he keeps improving the way he looks. If you guys don't mind, I just want to throw a couple things out here on this. Please, like go. I think this game is so intriguing. Like. We're going to find out right now what Drew Locke has because any franchise out there, I doubt you're listening. Maybe Adam Gase, you know, I mean, we're a little bit more smarter than him. So, Adam Gase, if you're listening, Denver <laughs> is the model franchise. I promise you, Denver is the model franchise. What what uh, John Elway's doing out there is amazing. Like, when you get a young quarterback, I've said this a million times, you do everything you can to help him succeed. And if he doesn't succeed, then it's on him. What John Elway's done by getting this guy pieces everywhere. He got Noah Fant last year to go to go with Lock or to go with Locke. What do rookie quarterbacks usually do? They throw to their tight end. Then he goes out this year, he gets Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler from Penn State to go along with Cortland Sutton. Then later in the in the like late rounds, I think he got him in the sixth round, he goes and gets Albert O. For people who don't know who that is, that was Drew Locke's favorite target at Missouri in college. He's a tight end. They get him. So we're going to find out real quick what Drew Locke has. I think if we if if Drew Locke was already like a um like a a proven quarterback, this line would be way different. The reason it's so close is because we don't know what we have in Drew Locke, but I I think I think he has enough to get it done. I don't think he's of that elite caliber, but I think I think he has enough to win with what's around him. I think Denver takes it. I think you're right. Again, this is another game where I'm ha- I'm going to hammer Denver. I think the public perception on Tennessee is Oh my God, Derrick Henry's a monster. And don't get me wrong, he's not. Tannehill was so good last year. I think the public's going to buy into Tennessee more than what they should. In Denver, week one, I think they get it done. Hey, let's be real though, Doug. When you talk about John Elway, remember he was the same person that drafted Tim Tebow and traded him the very next year. 
for a fifth round draft pick. And he also got Paxton Lynch too in the first round. So maybe third time's a charm with, with Drew Locke. <laughs> I think Burn. he learned his lesson in the fact that when he brought in McDaniels, I think he tried to give the reins to McDaniels and say, look, you're the coach of the future. Pick who you want. McDaniels wanted Tebow. I don't think that one's on Elway. Now we can talk about that six, seven guy coming out of coming out of Memphis. That's a whole different story. But I think the Tebow thing isn't on Elway's shoulders. I think that was more on McDaniel's. It's, and Elway was still trying to find his footing and just say, like, here you go. You're our coach of the future. You pick the quarterback you want. Let's build around it. I think McDaniel's got that wrong more than Elway did. And that's on Elway. He he runs it. He runs the franchise. So the fact that he gave McDaniel's the reins is a little ill-advised, but I think he was trying to do the best for his young coach. Fair enough. It would explain it because didn't McDaniels, when he went back to New England, he was the one that actually signed out Tebow as a backup, didn't he, right? Exactly, yeah. Well, look, Doug, let's go ahead and stick with you. Fitting enough, I know your team's the New York Giants, so let's go ahead and wrap this up. We've got the Pittsburgh Steelers playing away against the New York Giants, and Pittsburgh's favored to win this at four and a half. What do you think about your Giants? Is Saquon coming to play? I, I I feel like Daniel Jones is one of those guys that's a little bit misunderstood. I don't know if you're for or against him, but if you go and compare his stats last year to even somebody like Kyler Murray's, who everybody praises, they're uh, not too, too much off. In fact, he's he's actually a really good quarterback. So my opinion of Daniel Jones anyways, talk to me about this game. What, what's your take? So when it comes to the Giants, just for all of our listeners, I'm not very optimistic at all, ever. I don't know what it is. I just, they've screwed me over so many times. They've given me some high highs, but they've given me some low lows. It sucks that we open with open with Pittsburgh because I actually do think that this offense can be very, very, very good this year. I think they can put up some points. I think Daniel Jones in year two, hopefully he can take a step forward. His mistakes last year was holding onto the ball. And I don't mean interceptions, I mean fumbles. And that's something that can be fixed with just timing, getting the ball out quicker, not holding on to it so long, a little bit better of an offensive line. We go pick Andrew Thomas in the first round to play left tackle for us. So I think his problems can be fixed. But the sad part is we're not going to see that week one because Pittsburgh's coming into town with a defense like no other. Those guys can rush the passer against a young offensive line. You got Mink in the backfield playing free safety, ready just to cut off any throwing lane. I think it's going to be a long night for the Giants, and I know we're at home. I know we're at home, so the spread can't be huge, but that minus four and a half, I don't think that's enough, especially New York's one of the few teams that aren't going to have fans. I think you hammer Pittsburgh at minus four and a half, and I would hammer them all the way up to minus six and a half. Seriously, I I think Pittsburgh comes in and they shock us. I think Big Ben's ready to come back and show a year removed from surgery that he's still Big Ben. You got Juju going back to the slot where he succeeded when Antonio Brown was on the team. Deontay Johnson, uh, Chase Claypool, their, their newly added wide receiver, the big guy ready to go in the red zone. James Conner is going to be healthy. I think Pittsburgh comes in and steamrolls the Giants, and I think it's a really sad Monday night for your boy here. <laughs> well, look, I, I, you're right. It's a tough draw. Pittsburgh is never easy. They're, they're never easy to play. I don't care if they're home or away. So you're right. Now, Big Ben coming off that injury. Let's see what his arm can do. Everybody says that you know he's back to, you know, to his old self. If that's the case, yeah, I think it's a tough draw. Nonetheless, it'll be interesting to see what Saquon – and it's very, very, uh, very, very popular that he's at least you know the number two overall pick in fantasy in most of the drafts worldwide right now. Why do, so uh, he's a very popular say, why, player. Why do you say that, Kevin? 
<laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I might have personal experience in it. I might have them in a league or two. Yeah, you never can tell. Guys, it was a great sadly, episode. Sadly oh, for sadly for you, Kev, my bad for cutting you off. Sadly oh, no, for you, fine. Saquon has such a tough start. He starts with Pittsburgh, and then they go to Chicago. And then the week after that, they I can't remember who our week three game is. Then it's Baltimore, and then it's it's the Cowboys. Like Saquon has a rough start, but after that, man, you're going to enjoy that pick. It's going to be a rough start at the beginning, but hold on to him and totally. be ready for the second half of the year, man. Totally, but at the same time, you know what? A, 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 a weathered sailor, calm seas never made a weathered a weathered sailor, man. Never made it. Never made a calm skipper. I think that Saquon has an opportunity to really got make that a right. name for himself. You know what I mean? He's got a, he's got an uphill battle, but let's 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 crush it, man. I'm I'm going with him all day. Here's the deal, guys. I uh, I'm gonna have to go ahead and uh, and say it was an extreme pleasure to talk with all three of you today. Doug, great takes. Jake, great to have you back. Mike, always a pleasure. It's fun opening week of the NFL. It is back, gentlemen. This is not a dream. This is real life. We will be watching football this weekend. Actually, this Thursday. Cannot wait. Hell of a game with Houston and the Chiefs. Make sure you guys tune into that. I want to close with the thought of the day. Something very, very simple. I want everybody who's listening to understand that true genius is found within every single person that has ever walked this earth. And what I mean by that is that everybody in their own right, at their best self, has a fantastic form of genius for whatever it is that makes up you and your inner essence. And what I mean by that is simple. Take the old saying, nobody ever looked at a fish and criticized it for not being able to climb a tree. Do what you do, be you, be great. We are Fan Pop. Pop. Make sure that you subscribe to us from whatever outlet you are listening, and we will see you next time. We are out of here. Let's go!